have a tune-up. I have to have a makeover. And I said, now, I don't really care how you do it. You've got several ways of doing it. You can instantly do it. Your word says that by faith, Abraham could call those things that were not as though they were, or vice versa. And I agree with that. If I have my choice, I'd rather have Abraham's way. We just call it away. And uh, got down, and the same doctor that was at Cleveland, I'd saw him about a year before, and he said, there's no doubt that you have to have this procedure, although we want you to go back and do a couple other things, which I did, but still didn't relieve it. <clears throat> but I did start to feel better two weeks, by the way, before I went down on March 11th, as I recall. <clears throat> and on Monday, they had me scheduled for a battery of tests that they do to determine everything and what they're going to do. And I was to be in OR on, at 5.30 in the morning. It was about a five-hour procedure. But about, and we reserved our room at Cleveland for four days. We just knew we was going to be there for a few days, they told us. But at 3.30 or so in the afternoon, the same surgeon that was going to do the procedure called us in, and he said, uh, Pastor, I make my living doing these procedures. He said, but I won't be doing you no favor to do this procedure on you. Your heart was out of rhythm, and I know it was out of rhythm, and I know the cause of it. You had some things in your heart that had to be cauterized off for it to be back in rhythm. He said, but the things that was wrong then are not wrong now. They're gone. He said, you don't have to have this procedure. It was just nothing but God who chose to do it his way. And if he wants to do it with the doctors, in my view, and I believe yours, it's God who gave them all of the knowledge that they have. So he heals us through them. He heals us sovereignly on his own, but he's the healer. And I took it that he's not doing that for me just to feel good, but he's doing it that I got to get back to work. So I'm here tonight praising God that I'm able to stand before you and tell you our God does live. Our God does deliver. Our God does heal. Our God is an awesome God. Oh, if we could just honor him just a third of how much he's honored us. I believe we'd see a big turnaround anointing in all of our lives if we just decided to do that. So I thank God, and I thank you for being here to allow me to speak a little bit with you. I hope that the Lord might encourage us all a little bit through his word. But thank you again for being here with me. <clears throat> you know, I want to speak a little bit tonight from what I just said, that we're always looking for God to bless us, to do this and that. And he delights in doing things for us. He always wants to. And, and so much he does in our life to make us happy. He came to give us not just life, but abundant life. So he came for, to do all that for us because he loved us. Oh, he just makes us happy. Amen? And so the thought that's in my heart tonight is, Lord, 
Just what can we do to make you happy? Instead of asking you to give me, give me, give me, let us ask rather, Lord, how can we really make you happy? And that started going through my mind and dwelling through my mind as I meditated in it. I've had a great time studying. I got happy. I may not get it out to you, but I got it to me. <laughs> and, and I've had a real boss hearing the, hearing the Lord speak to us through his word. But we have a God that really delights in giving us the things in our life that makes us, makes us happy. So making him happy is the thing that I want to do tonight. Amen. I don't want to do it. He, we, we, we want to do it because I feel like he's encouraging us to. And you know, in the context of this thinking and this thing, I thought in the natural, <clears throat> how much if we put into practice what God wants us to do for him and did it in our own lives, we would see how rewarding it is. For example, our marriages in America... Thank you, John. You know, this would have cut me off a little earlier if you hadn't done it, but thank you. <clears throat> but we know that the marriages, failures, has jumped dramatically from over the last few years, and they're still jumping badly. And, uh, and, and it got in my spirit that usually we find somebody that we're attracted to that we really like, and that's who we want to spend our life with and all that. And, oh, if I just had her, I know I'd be happy the rest of my life. Or if I just had him, I'd be happy the rest of my life. But I don't believe that'll work. I believe if we say, if I have her, Lord, if you give me her or him, yeah, even Kathy, you bet, yeah, if you give me her or him, whichever the case is. And Lord, I want to spend my life making her happy or him happy. And if we did that, I really believe that we would see things turn around in the way we have relations with each other. Through thick or thin, no matter what's going on, Lord, I want to make her happy. And I thought about that and thought about it. And I don't want to embarrass my wife, but uh, I believe that she felt the same way in our relationship. She sure had to work on it. She sure had, didn't have much material to prove that with. But lately, I hope that it's turned around and I'm more appreciative. I mean, in, you know, I was a baby Christian and we'd gotten, just got married and I really, really wanted to do good, but I let things happen, you know? I let things get in the way. I was thinking more selfishly than I should have been, but even through it all, she never, ever gave up. Though I was about to lose it all one time early, she never gave up. When I was going through my most selfish things and got into so much trouble, she never quit praying for me. Amen. And I, I did, th I'm not going to tell you, I can't tell you, I just did things bad as a new Christian. Well, finally, I 
got to thinking about how the Lord loves me and how he said his love was unconditional and how he said that he would never leave us or forsake us no matter what we'd done and how he said, I'm going to forgive you, Jack, of all of your sins and I choose never to bring them against you again. He could have, you hear me? God could have, but he said, I will not remember him anymore. And I thought of Jean. Though I was terrible in some areas, and she knew it, and I knew it, but not one time did she ever remind me of what I'd done. I really believe that as near as God can forgive, as near as a person can get forgiveness, that she really did exemplify that and forgave me and forgot about it. And you know, in everybody we have relationships with, we're always reacting based on what they do. Amen? But if we could react in the way that the Lord wants us to, we would see more and more one than ever before. And I believe, by the way, that marriage failures would begin to dwindle if we try our best to be considerate of the other one first to see what we could do to make them happy. Same thing with others. Amen? And let me tell you, what I've found out as I studied this, I'm reminded that I'm not in this thing myself. And if I were, I probably couldn't get it done. But I'm here to tell you, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Through him, nothing is impossible. And in that line, I was studying, I looked at the 14th chapter of John, a couple of verses as he was ending up his talks and instructions to his disciples. He said in the 30th verse, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler for the ruler of this world is coming. And then he said, and he has nothing to me. And he has nothing to me. But that he but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise and let us go from here. He was saying to us, though the devil is here, and though he will do everything in his power to sabotage your mind, to sabotage your energies, to make you think you can't make it, to give you all of these false thoughts, he said, he didn't stay with me. He's coming but he has nothing to me. And the Lord demonstrated it in Matthew 4, 8 when he said when the devil promised him all these kingdoms that he was going to give him and all these things he wanted to do. And he said, Satan, get away from me. God is who we serve and no one else. Get away from me. The Lord demonstrated that Satan knew who he was and he departed from the Lord. 
I believe if we get in obedience with the Lord as he wants us to be in obedience and try to have his will done on earth instead of our will being done, that God is going to see, that he's going to let us see that we don't have to fear him either. We won't have to fear him. We'll learn firsthand that greater is he that is in me than he that would try to destroy me. Amen. We get to learn that for ourselves. The Lord wants us to know. No wonder he said, it's expedient for you that I ascend. But if I ascend not, then the spirit, the comforter, the new comforter, the one that the Father ascended, that's not going to come until I go up. But I'm going up that he might come down and he'll indwell you and fill you. He'll give you a revelation of who I am. That's why the Holy Ghost has come, to give each one of us a personal revelation of who Jesus is. And when he comes, he wants to take over our thought pattern. He wants to take over our different personalities. He knows all of our personalities. He gave them to us. And he wants to come and energize them with the Holy Spirit and use our individual personalities for the glory of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he wants to look to us. The Father is always trimming us, he went on to say in the 15th chapter. He's looking for branches that are going to be fruitful. And when he finds them, even if they're barely fruitful, he's going to prune us that we might be more fruitful. Amen. And I think that that's what goes on when we go through the different things. This thing that I went through going to Cleveland Clinic and the things that you go through. God says in everything, give thanks. This is my will for you in Christ Jesus. I said, in this, in this, Lord? He said, yes, not for it, but in it. What he's really saying is I'm sharpening you through this. I'm letting you go through this sifting process through all of the hurts, through all of the things that you're going through. I'm sifting you. And when you come out the other end, you're going to have more power than you ever thought. You're going to be able to strengthen others through that process. That shifting is good for us. It's good for us. It makes us better. That old saying, whatever, don't kill us, will help us. But, but the truth of the matter is, God is preparing us through everything we go through. Oh, no wonder Jesus shouted to when Peter told him in the 16th chapter of Matthew when he asked, who do you, Peter, who do you say that I am? Right quick, he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus almost shouted as he said, oh, Peter, oh, Simon Barjona. Uh-huh. He said, you didn't receive that revelation from man. You got that from heaven. That was a heaven-sent revelation to you, Peter, of who I am. And who I am, Peter, is important to you because on this rock that I am, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Peter. It's me in you that's going to build the church. It's me that's going to do it. It won't be by your might nor your power, but the power of my spirit is going to do it through you. And when you... When you turn loose and let me go, Peter, I'm going to fill you with all that you need to get the job done. I'm going to give you the keys. Keys represents authority. 
I've given you the keys that you might bind on earth. You can bind Slewfoot. You can put him in his place in every situation. And I'm going to loosen from heaven with the same keys and build my church. <coughs> we really need to say, Lord, examine us again. It's not the building that's the church. It's each one of us that's the church. We have a revelation in our life of who you are. And when we leave these walls, we ought to be having church. We ought to be having church when we leave here, not when we get here. We come here to praise and worship him for the way that he's let us have church when we leave here. How many lives has he touched? Oh, how he wants to touch them. You could say, and we'll all say, I'm not talented enough to do that. I'm not gifted enough to do that. I better, I'm about to say hogwash. <laughs> but that's what it is. Because you do have. You do have the witness of the Lord in your life. Amen. He, through the Holy Spirit, has revealed himself. He's come in. And now you and I can say with the Apostle Paul, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Don't try to win them yourself. Don't try to be overly persuasive in your own might or your own words. Let the line of Judah that's living in you speak for himself. Let Jesus speak through us in the best way that he can, only he can. It, it probably won't be so much in words, but our best preaching most of the time is without words. People see Jesus in us. And it's not us that did it. Yeah, we read his word and yeah, we're faithful to a lot of things. But we should be seeking Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, get a revelation of who Jesus is. And then the evidence of us having that revelation will, will speak more to people than anything we can do. The fruit of the Spirit or the nature and character of the Lord Jesus Christ is giving, given us from heaven. It is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. We do things because we love him. And our love is more than lip service. We're not just giving him honor with our lips and our tongue. He said, you honor me with your lips and your tongue, but your heart is far from me. Our heart is connected to him when we can see what he saw when he looked down from the cross and saw you and I. We should be in a telescope of him. We should be living in such a way that people see him. You know, I could go down through my Christian life and see so many failures, but I can see some other places where the Lord did things. I'm just going to mention one or two, but one in particular. Gina and I had just been married. She managed a drugstore drug in Whitesville. And I was a Sunday school superintendent at the church we pastored. <coughs> and I was always kidding around everywhere I went. I've always just, it's just been, you know, the Lord said we should have a happy life. If we got an abundant life, life let's act like it. But I just really, I know where I came from. And when the Lord said, Jack, your sins are forgiven, as he did in Matthew 9 for that, servant, for that one servant unnamed. I put my name in there. He said, Jack, your sins are forgiven. Oh, 
I don't know about you, but my sins, which were many, I suddenly saw them washed in the blood of the Lord. When I thought about it, and I thought how the guilt was gone, how I didn't have to go back and redo and redo and redo. There was nothing I could do. He said, be of good cheer, Jack, in Matthew 9, 2. Be of good cheer. Your sins are gone. They're forgiven. They're in the blood. Be of good cheer. So I choose to be of good cheer. And then he later said in Matthew, uh, Matthew 14, 27, when the disciples were all in danger, they were crossing the sea, and, and they really thought they were doomed, they were gone. But all of a sudden, they looked up, and here comes Jesus, walking on the water. He's the one that sent him. But here he comes, walking on the water. And when he got to them, he said, sons, be of good cheer. I'm here. Do I think about that? My past is covered with his forgiveness. My future is secure in his assurance. Because if I just let him come on the scene, when I'm going through a major storm in my life, I can feel him say, Jack, the storm might look rough, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. At the end of the day, you're going to make it to the other side. You're going to clear it. You're going to make it. So I rejoice in that. My past is taken care of, and everything that's going on in my present, this nasty old now and now, he's there with me. He wants me to be of good cheer. And then he finalized it in John 33 when he said, In this world, you go through all kind of trials, troubles, tribulations. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I can tell you that because he overcame, we too are overcomers. We're more than overcomers. So my past, my presence, and my future are all taken care of. So why should I not just want to say, Lord, through all of this, I'm not going to put my major thoughts and worries and concerns about my past at all, and even my presence or my personal future. I'm going to go out. And be what you call me to be. I'm going to be fruitful. And I know that I can't be fruitful unless I stay attached to you. That branch cannot produce any fruit on itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. Staying attached to the vine. Amen. Staying attached. He said, apart from me. You could do nothing, but I could do all things through Christ or staying attached to him. And he said in the 11th verse of that 15th chapter of John, he said, and my joy will be in you. His joy in heaven is in us when we decide to be fruitful, when we decide to do his will, when we decide to be the reflection of him, when we decide ourselves to be an example of the truth, the way, and the life that he was to us. And when we do, his joy is being fulfilled. 
completed in us. But then he added to that verse, and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. Nothing man-made can give us that joy that we want for ourselves. But Jesus gives it to us just by being what he wants us to be, be fruitful. Being fruitful, we have love and joy and peace. We have compassion. We have gentleness and goodness, faithfulness, temperance. Those are the fruit of Jesus. And through that, we will be more fruitful than we could ever be ourselves. Ask in heaven to give us that nature of the Lord in our own life. Uh, back to my Sunday school superintendent. i got to hurry here. Gene taught me a long time ago that it's better to leave people begging for more than it is crying for mercy. <laughs> so I'll try to make this short tonight. <coughs> uh, but at any rate, these two little girls that worked there, I about left them stranded a while ago, didn't I? But. But I came in the drugstore one evening, and there they were. And I had gone through, was going through something. I, like I said, I was usually jolly and happy and so forth. And I, for that day, I was something was on my mind. And I was looking down. I was kind of, you could, you know, the, they noticed it. They said, Jack, what's the matter? And I caught myself that they had noticed something. I said, well, girls, if you want to know the truth, I think my church is about to fire me from the job I got. <laughs> I don't know how that came out. But they said, what? I said, yeah. I wouldn't know how. I said, well, I'm the Sunday school superintendent up there. My job is to go out and find people, bring them to Sunday school and church. I said, but in the last few months, I haven't been very successful in getting anybody to come. And I, anybody can go through the motions, and I'm afraid that's what they think I'm doing. And, uh, and I, I was going on like that with them. And I, I was just really kidding with them. But they got real dead serious. What can we do to help? I said, well, if you really want to help, next Sunday, be there. It'll really help me. And they got to tell me, well, yeah, we will, but there's only one problem. We go out at night and we don't wake up in the morning. And I, you know, I said, well, if you want to help me, Give me your phone numbers, and I'll wake you up Sunday morning. <laughs> and they did. And Sunday morning, I woke them up. Sunday morning, they came to church. On that same Sunday morning, both of them gave their hearts to the Lord. I didn't even realize what I was doing. But just that, and I thought, Lord, you'll take everything we're involved in and turn it around to turn you on if we just let you. Now, it goes on that this one of the girls was married and her and her husband was having difficulties. And, you know, it's not important what they were. They were just going through some things that uh, uh, marriage probably couldn't survive with. <coughs> and he heard the phone ring. And he didn't know it was, who it was, and she didn't tell him. <laughs> so the next Sunday, I called again. <laughs> and here they come. Only this time, this guy come in behind him. He followed him. And he gave his heart to the Lord that morning. And it goes on. They fell in love with Jesus. 
He really fell in love with him. And they both did, really. And they wound up at Lakeland going to Bible college to be in the ministry. So God, just being, just without even knowing, we're witnessing, you know. And I think that the way we conduct ourselves in the public, we don't know who's watching us. The Lord said we are his epistles. We're the love story that he wrote to the world. Each one of us is a paragraph of that message. And so if we got a, I wouldn't write a letter to somebody I loved and put it on old beat up, blotted stationery. I'd get the best I could. And I'd put the best smelling stuff on it I could on that letter. And I'd make it very clear. And we need to do that. We're a, we, we, we are paragraphs to that love letter. And so if we do, the Lord's going to use us. People are going to see that love letter in our life. And they're going to see something that they're missing. And I say this, it sounds braggart, but I don't know at the times that the Lord has allowed me to be involved in somebody's life simply because I'm just being nice to them. I, I, I just don't even know how, but uh, they'd ask me, they'd call me, or call me over even in restaurants. What, what makes you so happy? You sound, you look like you've been drinking. <laughs> so, I've told Gina, I said, I've told some that I am. <laughs> but I'm drinking the new wine. I'm happy at what I'm drinking. It really gives me a high. It's the most high. And so, and I, I, so I'm, I'm really telling them the truth. But, you know, I, I find, find it out that just being who God wants you to be. Let him saturate our personality with his. Let us really become less and less with all that we have and let him become more and more and he'll speak for himself. Amen? He'll speak through us. He'll let people see him through us. And the church that the Lord said the gates of hell would not prevail against, it won't. The gates of hell shall not. It'll increase. The Lord is going to speak more through us. He said in John 17, uh, 22 and 23, he said, Father, that they might become one. And then in verse 23, and if they become one as you and I are one, he said, they will become perfected. I thought, how's that? By becoming one with our brothers and sisters here and everywhere else, we must learn to walk hand in hand together, even if we don't see eye to eye. We're all his the Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, and all the rest. That's my brothers and sisters. Yeah, we might disagree a little bit on pre- uh, some preferences, but why are we getting so uptight about our preferences? Jesus has a mighty work to be done that we have to dismiss those preferences and the importance of the different denominational flags that's on us. We're building a kingdom, not a denomination. Amen. And the way it's going to be built is in humility. And that humility will come automatically if we get genuine unity in us to go. And he said, and then, Father, the world will see that you sent me. Or if we get together as one, 
if we love our brothers and sisters more than just in love, but wanting to be a help, wanting to be a part, not even making any kind of a thought at all about what differences we might have. Let's think about it, what we have in common. We have a Jesus that was sent from heaven by the Father. He willingly came. He went and lived an exemplary life for us to follow. He died on a cross for us that our sins would never more be remembered against us. Our sins were justified with his blood. Oh, my. Oh, my. Why don't we get together? It can start here. If we really mean it down deep into our hearts that we're going to become one together, we won't just see the results here. God will carry it on beyond our church borders into the whole area here. And we'll see him begin to demonstrate what he's looking for. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'm going to hear them from heaven. I'm going to forgive their sins. I'm going to heal their lands. And forever I will be in that sanctuary where people are gathered with this humility and this desire to seek my face. Not just my hands. We seek his face when we're trying to bless him. When we're trying to make him happy. And you know, we've got a bad situation in a great, great Canaan land that God has given us here in, here in America. It's just as much a God-given land of milk and honey as Cana was for the Israelites that came out of Egypt. It was given to a hungry people that wanted to worship God in truth and in spirit. And they came and God blessed it. He gave it victory over every enemy. It is so far exceeded what it would have normally been able to do that it's unbelievable. But we've kind of drifted away from their vision. Over the years, things have got in the way. Over the years, we didn't honor him in having no other gods before him. We've got a lot of man-made gods that, we're, that we've got more of our focus on than we have on him. I'm not meaning to, I just feel I have to say, say this. <clears throat> we, 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 are, we are not really where we need to be. And we have let things happen. God is, he, he loves us. He's jealous over us. I'm jealous over my wife, but we got a great thing going. She don't provoke me to jealousy, which we do to God with our refusal to do things his way. We were told under no uncertain terms to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But we've kind of let that slide too. We let one slide and another slides. And the first thing you know, we're among the dead. We're just, you know, everybody that don't know Jesus is dead. But we're kind of laying with them. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 5, 14, Awake ye that sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We need to have a wake-up call. Say, Lord, we have kind of bypassed your will and put instead our will into our whole national, 
and our countries, our states, our counties, our principalities here, the the corporate limits of our communities. We are all, but we can't stand up and say, well, I can't do nothing about it. Yes, you can. I can. You can. Individually, we can. And the first thing you know, we got a bunch of we cans. We don't have to go out here and force anything. We just have to do it. I just have to refuse to go to the store on Sunday. Huh? I just have to go to Walmart Monday through Saturday if I'm going. I really feel a personal little thing that the Lord has given me a little nudge on for me. And I think I've I've felt God's presence more since I've said, Lord, I'm just myself going to make this personal stand. But think what happens if all of us get together. We don't have to go out and condemn anything or walk in protest. We just stand with Jesus, do things like he wants it to do. And when there ain't nobody showing up at the store, they'll get the message. Amen. I, I, I don't want to do this for sure to draw attention to us, but I really want to get back to where we're honoring God. And it, I think I heard him say when he said to Solomon, if my people, when he told him that, if you listen closely before he said that, he said, Solomon, I've heard your prayers. I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, but in the 12th verse, that's what he was saying. But he said, remind the people that I'm the God that allows the rains to fall. Or I'm the God that allows you to have prosperity. I'm the God that allows you to have this peace, this provision. I'm the God that makes all of that happy happen. He said, I'm also the God that allows the locust to devour the land. If we just really want to worship other images and be totally disobedient, he can put the locust in the field. He can cause ec- economic conditions. We think that this is all man-made. I'm not so sure that all of this isn't largely because the Lord is putting his hand down in disapproval of how we're appreciative of what he's done and how we're not willing to do anything ourselves or collectively. And then he said, remind him that I'm the God that allows the pestilence to sweep over the land. And out of his grieving for us and his disappointment in us, he lets diseases, lets the pestilence come. I think that in my lifetime, I could point to a lot of things from pneumonia, which now is nothing, but at one time it was a big killer. Right on up to AIDS, which is a recent killer, I never heard of anything like that until late in my life. I mean, late. I was fairly close to the <laughs> of the warning period. I maybe 60 years old at least when AIDS came on the scene. I'd never heard of it. And then there's more and more unknown diseases that are popping up. I believe it's God saying, can you hear me now? This is not a man-made thing. But I believe there's a cure. I believe there's an individual cure. I have repented to every young people's group that I've had the privilege of speaking to. And to you and all of us. I have personally repented. I've repented to God and I repent to you for being one of those who have allowed our kids to be raised in this cesspool 
that our world has become, our country has become. I repent to them. And I ask them to forgive me. And then I ask all the young people that I speak to, please, if you believe it and if you do forgive me, how about joining me? Let's work together to be sure that your kids are not going to be raised in this same cesspool that you were raised in. And if you agree, let's get together. We can make a difference. And we can reverse this curse if we allow Jesus to magnify himself and to reveal himself through each one of us. It can happen. And just today, I clearly heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, then you're going to find a lot less need to go to the doctor's office. Then you're going to have more than divine health. I mean, divine healing. You're going to have divine health. You're going to be able to walk up and down your streets without fear. You're going to be able to enjoy this life that I've given you, and you're going to realize far more than ever before, how abundant it really can become when we do it his way. When we do what we can. He didn't tell us to go out and make it all happen overnight. It didn't begin overnight. But it begins with a determination and a start somewhere. And we're going to find how awesome our God is when we get together like he's asking us to get together. When we get together and we don't care who gets the credit for it. Give God all the glory. Give him all the credit. Give him all the praise. Give him all that we have to give. Sacrifice our faith, not on a whole lot of substance, but give our faith to him. Have faith in God to do all that he wants to do in our life. If we have him, we have everything. So that's the message that I feel the Lord has sent me to give. But he had a little postscript to it. He said, tell the people tonight that may have any doubt or reservation or any kind of hang-up about what I'm saying. Any of them that it needs divine healing of some sort tonight, then he's going to do it for you just to show you that this is his word that he sent, and that we can have it as an amen for us. So if any of you here, you're going through something, you've heard God speak, and if you agree with what he's speaking through me for us, he wants to demonstrate to you by giving you that healing that only he could give, and that it happens tonight for you to have your own witness of what he's saying. So I'm not going to go through a whole lot more speaking But I invite you to come because I hear him saying also when Peter spoke and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. I believe that such as as Peter had, he wants us to have. We could have more of such as he has in us. We'll just let him. Because he can do it. It's him. This is his battle. This battle's not yours. This battle's the Lord's. 
I think of a chorus. I almost broke out singing it tonight, but then I thought, if I want to keep you, I better not do that. And so I'll give you the words. I will not be defeated. I will not be defeated. Jesus Christ, God's only Son, fought my battle, and I won. I will not be defeated anymore. I will not be defeated. I will not be defeated. Since the Holy Ghost came in, He has given me victory over sin. So I will not be defeated anymore. Of things... I've had my fill, and yet I hunger still, longing more and more and more for more of you. Amen? Hallelujah. So, church, that's all I got to say. I think he said what he wanted to say. He wants to bless us. He wants to encourage us. He wants us to get excited about him. He wants us to have the eagerness demonstrated in us that comes out automatically. In the people that we love, they see him in the way we do things. Amen. God bless you. If there's anybody that wants to challenge the word for yourself, don't be bashful. Don't be upset. If you hear what I've said and believe it's God's word and you need help, nothing I'd like to do more than agree with you as we ask God to demonstrate his word that he sent for all of us. Anybody at all before we change the order of the service? Hallelujah. Don't be bashful and don't worry about anything at all. If this is the spirit speaking to you, be obedient to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.